Clackamas. And I want you to pull out your Bibles. Come on, let me see you pull out your Bibles. All right, everyone should bring their Bibles to church. Everybody should use their Bibles. Amen. It's a little dark in here. Take your little smartphone out, whatever you want to do. But everyone should be looking at their Bible. And everyone should be learning. Amen. But Romans 7, 4 says, Romans 7, 4 says, So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with him who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. We can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by an old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now, everybody say now. But now we have been released. Everybody say released from the law. For we died to it and no longer are captive to its power. Everybody say released. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in a new way, living by the Spirit. Wow, that's powerful stuff right there. Come on, somebody. Romans is an incredible book. And Paul the Apostle, he makes a great argument that all are in sin and all need a Savior. And the only way that we can be set free from the law of sin, from the things that cause us to sin, is to be united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. So we've been married to Christ. And when, when he died on the cross, he gave us the right to be children of God so that we might be set free from the law that condemned us and convicted us so that we can live a life of holiness and righteousness so that we can love God, serve God, and we can be released into our divine destiny in our life. You see, this morning I want to talk to you about being released into God's will for your life. We've been talking about being restored. We've been talking about being repaired. We've been talking about being renewed. We've been talking about being in recovery. Next week, we're going to talk about rebuilding our lives. Then we're going to talk about reengaging. But this morning, I want to talk to you about being released into your divine destiny. I want to talk to you about being released to be fruitful in ministry. John chapter 15, verse 8 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, It glorifies God when you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Let me tell you something. If you don't bear fruit, you're not a disciple of Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't care if you come to church. I don't care if you read the Bible. I don't care if you speak in tongues. What I care about is are you bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? Jesus said you will bear much fruit to the glory of God. And that's the test. That's the litmus test whether or not you're a Christian. It's not because you speak in tongues or go to church. I know a lot of people that speak in tongues and go to church and they live like the devil. Come on, somebody help me out here. But he said it's to my Father's glory that you bear the fruit of love and joy and peace and and that you bear the fruit of winning souls into the kingdom of God. I'm believing that some of you are going to be released to share your faith with other people after the sermon. I believe that some of you are going to be released and you're going to know that it's time for you to make disciples in your life. That you're going to be released to pray for the sick and they're going to recover. That you're going to be released to fulfill your God-given calling in your life because you've got God-given gifts in your life. And Paul the Apostle says in Romans chapter 6 all the way to Romans chapter 7, before you were a Christian, before Christ redeemed you from the power of sin in your life, before you were restored back to life and before you were reawakening from the dead the bible says you were bound and there was no way in the world that you could bear good fruit but now because christ has come into your life and you've died to sin and now you're alive with him now you can go and bear much fruit and be released to do the very things that god called you to do wow that's amazing paul tells us that you died to sin 
But now you're released into a victorious life. Now you can, now you can serve God, he said. Now there's no excuse. Now you can love God. Now you can love other people. Now you can reach out and share your faith. You can pray for the sick. You see, I'm believing the church is the sleeping giant in this world. It really is. See, here's the problem with the church. The church has millions of people in it that are sitting in the pews and listening to sermons, but they never release to, in, to engage the world. They never feel like they've been released to do the work of ministry. So they come back every Sunday. They listen to another sermon and another sermon and another sermon. They do another Bible study, another Bible study, and they talk about God in the context of church life, but they never go out and re-engage the world. They never go out and do the work of ministry in their life. And that is really sad. Ephesians chapter 1 says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep on asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope that he has called you to and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saint and, listen to me, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He said, I, I'm praying that you understand all those things. Why? This is the reason. So that you might fill up what is still needing to be filled in the world. Notice what he says. He says, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, appointing him as the head of the church, the head of everything that is in the church, which is his body. Listen to me. The fullness of him who fills all things in this earth. Wow. That's, let me stop and say that a little slower. The fullness, the fullness, the fullness of him who fills all things up in this world. You are the fullness of Christ. You're the fulfillment of Christ in this world. We are the body of Christ. And we need to understand that if it's going to get done, it's going to get done because we are the body of Christ being released to do the work of the kingdom. And as long as we hold on, as long as we say, I'm not ready, I'm not educated, I can't do it, the work's never going to get done. You see, the truth is the church is filled with people who have been redeemed. People that have been restored, people that have been renewed, people that have been somewhat revived by the Spirit. But most people never realized that, that every one of us in this room have been released by God to do ministry. The truth is the gospel is filled with releasing statements that Jesus made to his church. I mean, turn to John 14, 12. I want to show you a releasing statement, a permission-granting statement that God made to his church, that Jesus Christ made to his people. Notice what it says in John. Turn with me. John 14, 12. This is how you do it. You open your Bible, and you turn. There you go. Watch. There you go. People looking at me like. John 12, John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do whatever I've been doing. <laughs> Jesus comes in this world and he demonstrates the love of God to people. He feeds the homeless. He reaches out to the sick and the poor and the needy. He brings healing to people's lives. And he says, anyone who has faith in me can do the same thing that I'm doing. That's permission granting. He's saying, I'm releasing you to understand that you can do it. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in you, and it will quicken your mortal body, and you will be able to step out in faith and do miracles in the name of Jesus. He said, he who believes in me, he will do, listen to what he says, he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to my Father. Whoa, wait a minute. Did you read that for a moment? Jesus said that you're supposed to be doing greater things than he did when he was on the earth. Wow. Well, 
Has I, have I ever seen anybody raise the dead? Have I ever seen anybody pray for somebody and they, they get healed from blindness? Yes, I have. I've seen some of those things happening. But Jesus said to the person who believes, that's it. There's no other requirements. If, it's not, well, if you join the assemblies of God, then you'll do these things. He said, if, if, if you believe and you have that same faith that I have, he said, you'll do greater works than these that you have already seen. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment that we're going to be greater than Jesus. And man, he did some incredible things. But what I think he's saying here is it, it becomes exponential. What I think he's saying here is that, you know, Jesus was actually limited to one place when he, when he was on the earth. He could only go to this place or that place or that place or that place. But now he has put his spirit in all believers wherever they are, in Africa, in Asia, in Australia, in America. He's got millions of believers running around, and if they would only understand that they have the power of God living in their life, and they would only understand that they have been given permission to do the work of ministry, man, we would see revival. We would see a world that would be changed because believers would know who they are, they would know what God has done in their life, and they would be released to do the work of God. Come on somebody permission granting statements and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father and you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it wow Matthew 16 verse 18 he says to his disciples on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it wow he said, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Verse 19, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Hey, listen, when my daughter comes to me and she says, Daddy, can I borrow the car keys? The car is sitting in the driveway, and that key is not useful to her unless I give her the key and once she takes the key and she puts it in the ignition, she has the release, she has the permission to drive the car. And Jesus said, I have given you the keys of the kingdom. Here they are. Go take a drive. Hallelujah. Here they are. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Here they are. Go out and heal the sick. Here they are. Do the work of the kingdom. Your daddy has given you the car keys. And he said, go take a joy ride and have a good time. Have a blast and enjoy the work of the kingdom in your life. Come on, somebody. That's some good preaching right there. Come on. Are you awake this morning? Am I in a Pentecostal church? Are there some Latinos here? Pentecostal Latinos, Gloria Dios. I'm telling you, I got to give permission to the Latin people to go crazy in this place. I'm telling you. And my Nigerian friends as well, you know, and my Caribbean friends, you know what I mean? Just go for it, man. I mean, we in church today. I don't waste my time. I spent a lot of time praying on this sermon. I spent a lot of time studying for this sermon. You better give me some amens in this place. Come on, somebody. I worked hard. God said, I give you permission. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Turn with me to Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go, I give you the keys. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And what, whoever believes and is baptized and is saved, but whoever does not believe is condemned. But these signs will accompany those who have the car keys. In my name, they will drive out demons, and they will speak in new tongues, and they will pick up snakes and handle them. Ah, listen, I don't recommend you do that. There's no reason for that these days, okay? Don't be going down south of these churches that pick up snakes. And, psh, they get bit, and they go to the hospital, and they don't know because you're a dummy. He's not saying just go and do it for fun. He's saying if that happens that you're on a missions trip, God's going to keep you safe. Come on, somebody. He's going to help you, protect you. And when they drink deadly poisonous things, it will not hurt them, and they will place their hands on the sick, and they will get well. These are permission-granting statements. You see, the truth is Jesus was always giving away ministry. He was, he was always giving it away. 
In fact, let me tell you something. This is the reason why Jesus got in trouble with the religious people. Because the Pharisees, the religious people, they, they wanted control. They wanted you to have to go to them. They wanted you to have to go to them to pray. You couldn't get to God unless you went through the religious people and you had to buy something to get in the temple. And Jesus was so angry that he goes in the temple and he's watching these religious people keeping people out of the presence of God, saying to them, you can't go into the presence of God and you can't do ministry unless you go through me. That was control. That was called big business. And Jesus, when he came, he destroyed big business. You know, all through the centuries, we find churches that want to control people, that want to control people. You can only do this, and you can only do this, and you can only go there, and you can only, and you can only do this kind of ministry, and you can't do that kind of ministry. And, 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 and over the centuries, we found that the church, the laity and the clergy have gotten farther and further apart. The clergy is somewhere up here, and they're the only ones that can do ministry. You know why? Because they need a job, and they need people to need them. And as long as they got their job and their permission and, and they're giving permission in little ways to people, they're, they're happy. But you see, that's really what made the religious people so angry at Jesus. Because everywhere he went, he said, just go do ministry. In fact, his disciples catches a guy casting out demons. They didn't know his name. They didn't know where he was from. He didn't have a card that said assemblies of God. He didn't have anything. He was just doing the ministry. He saw Jesus doing. He said, you know what? I think I could do the same thing. And he started to do ministry. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we caught a guy and he was doing good works. Can you imagine he was doing it without our permission? And Jesus says, leave the guy alone. If he's not against us, he's for us. Let him continue to do ministry. Can you imagine if Jesus said, call the guy in. Let's sit him down. Where, where are you from? What are you doing? Now, now, I'm not suggesting that there shouldn't be any order of ministry. I'm not suggesting that you should just go out and do anything you want, anytime you want. There is a headship. And if you'll see in a few moments that, that God has placed overseers in the church to protect the sheep from people coming in. And let me tell you something. Over the 20 years that I've been here, 20 years, I started doing ministry when I was one years old. I was amazing. 20 years I've been here. And, and, and I've seen people that have come to the church with unbelievable servants' hearts. They've come in like, Pastor Steve, whatever you want me to do, man, I am faithful. And, and I'm submitted to authority, as the Word of God says in Hebrews. And I want to just do it the way that it will bring peace and harmony in the church. And then I've seen other people, they're long ranges, and they think they're full of themselves. And they think they're God's gift to the church. And they want to do things outside of unity and outside of of, of, of proper order. And, and so Jesus is not saying go crazy and do whatever you want. See, but we've gone to a way, we've gone far to the other extreme where it's like people don't do anything in the church. They leave it up to just a few to do everything in the church and people get burnt out and the work of the kingdom doesn't go forward because there's just too much work to be done and not enough workers. That's why Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers, workers, people that are hungry to do God's will, people that don't know it all, but they know, they, they know that they know deep in their heart that God has given them a love for people and they love the Lord, their God, with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind, and they want to love their neighbor and they want to learn and they want to learn who they are in Christ and they want to learn their shape so that they can do the will of God in their life. They're just hungry people. God's not looking for superstars. He's not looking for geniuses. He's not looking for people that are multi-talented. He's just looking for somebody that says, I'm available, God. Just use me, God. Just use me. And I'm just amazed. I'm amazed where I am in my life at this point in my life. I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not supposed to be doing this. I don't have it all together. But this, this one thing I know is I abide in Christ, and every day I get up and spend an hour or two in prayer, and I say, God, I need to abide in you. God, fill me, God. Give me what you, give me, God. Give me, Lord God, your heart. Give me your love, God. Fill me with your wisdom. Fill me with your spirit. And I open my mouth, and God fills it so that I can preach. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So what does it mean to be released? The word released in the, in the dictionary means to allow or enable to escape from confinement, to allow, to enable, to escape from confinement. And let me tell you, by the Holy Spirit, prophetically today, some of you are in prison 
you are being held captive by the lies of the enemy and the enemy keeps on telling you you're not ready to do ministry. You're not ready to lead a small group. You're not ready to, to minister to the hurting and the desperate. You don't know enough. You can't do it. You've got your own problems in your life. And so you just sit in your chair week after week and you come and hear sermons and you say to yourself, oh, I wish I can be released. And my prayer today for you is that you would understand that God, his heart is to release you and enable you to do ministry. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power and you will go from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. I love to do missions trips and I want to encourage you. If you signed up, we had 25 people signed up for the Jamaica trip and many of you have not given in your deposit yet. We need to get your airline tickets and let me tell you something. Some of you are sitting in your seat and you're saying, man, I wish I could go, but what this and that. Why don't you just trust the Lord? I don't have the, God will provide the finances he will provide. And you know what happens when you go on a missions trip? I love it. I love it. You give me one week, one week with a group of people on a missions trip and it's better than giving me a year in the classroom. Because in that one week, I release people. Just go do that. Go do that. And they start doing things that they don't do in their local church. They say, I'm like, where did this person get this voice? I never heard it in the church. And we get out on the street, and they start feeding the poor, and they start praying for people, and they get healed. And, 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 and you know what? And, and then they come back to America, and they come back to the church, and then they just sit there for another year and wait for a missions trip. I think to myself, man, for one week, you learned that God could really use you that God could really work through your life, just ordinary people. So what keeps people, what keeps Christians from getting involved in ministry? Why does it seem like just a few people, a few Christians feel released into ministry? Why is it that 20% of the church does 80% of the work? Why is it that we're always asking people, why is it that we've got to beg people to work with children? Why is it that we always have to beg people to work in the youth ministry? Why is it that we've got to pull teeth, like, come on, man, lead a small group. You can do this. And for 20 years, you just sit there going, not today, not now. Listen, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come back, and when he comes back, he's going to ask you a question. If you're a believer, he's going to ask you this one question. What did you do with what I gave you? Matthew 25, what did you do with the talents, the abilities, the knowledge that I gave you, the resources that I put in your hands? What did you do with it? I buried it in the ground. And Jesus says, take that wicked servant and cast them out of my kingdom because your fruit will display whether or not you're truly a Christian. And fruit is using, fruit being fruitful is using your talents and your time and your treasures all for the kingdom of God. I buried it in the ground. Well, I just didn't have the time, God. I, I just didn't think I could do it. Get over it, folks. Get over it, folks. Because one day you're going to stand before the judge of the universe, and you're going to give an account for the money that God put in your hands. Listen to me. Oh, I don't tithe. It's my money. No, it's not your money. It's God's money. And it's not just the tenth, it's everything, it's everything. God owns it all, you've been bought with a price. Do you understand the deal that you entered into, the bargain that you entered into the day that you came to know Christ? You gave him yourself, everything that you have, all the money, all the challenge, all the treasures, everything, everything that you have belongs to God, all for the glory of God. Everything. So I would say I break it down into nine reasons why people don't get involved in ministry. Number one, lack of biblical teaching on the role of every believer. That's, that's our problem. That's our fault. And I want to ask your forgiveness today. As your pastor, I failed you because I have not adequately, somehow, some way, some of you have not been adequately taught by me that you can be released to do ministry, that that's the call of your life, that's the breath of your life, is that you would say, God, use me, God. Show me, Lord, the gifts that I have. Maybe it's laziness. Let the pastor do it. That's his job. That's what we pay the pastor to do. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what you pay me to do in a minute. I'm going to show you my job description in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to show you my job description. There's misconception 
misconception. They have enough people. They don't need any more people. They have enough worship people. Listen, I'm believing. You know, I thank God for the choir, you know. I like the little, I like the little Indonesian guy up there. Isn't he great? He's just like going at it, man, you know what I mean? Ricky Lee, where is Ricky Lee? I mean, that guy just, he's a whoa! He sings like a thousand people, you know, he does it for the Lord. You know, but we have these misconceptions. We have enough musicians. We don't have enough musicians. We never have enough musicians. Because, see, we're going to plant other churches and we need to raise up teams and send them out. Amen? We never have enough children. We never have enough youth workers. We never have enough small groups. We never have enough of anything. And there's that misconception that they've got it covered. It's pretty good. We come to church, seems like they pulled it off another Sunday. Everything's good. And then there's insecurity. I'm not qualified. I just can't do it. I, I, just, I, I just can't do it. Listen, I wasn't qualified either. I started teaching a small group when I was 19 years old. I was the most unqualified person to teach that small group. But that was the very thing that catapulted me into ministry because I recognized it wasn't me anyway. It was God working through me. All I had to do was fill my mind with the word and it would come out. Glory to God. Past hurts. I was hurt in the church. Get over it. Get over it. I went to another church. The pastor used me and abused me. He never, he never said thank you. Whatever. Get over it, man. Because you know what? When you get to heaven, you're not going to be able to go get the pastor. Oh, let me, let me go get the pastor in, my, in, in the church that when I was a kid. Or let me go get the pastor in the 20th church that I went to. And I'm going to drag him in before God and say, he hurt me, God. This is the reason why I don't do ministry. That's not going to be your excuse when you get to heaven. God's going to say, get over it. Get into ministry. Now, I know I'm sounding a little hard today, but it's only for your good. Because it will do you no good to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness and past hurts about somebody who hurt you in the past. Bring it to the foot of the cross. Recognize that Christ has forgiven you. And he's forgiven you over and over. And in the same way that he's forgiven you, you need to forgive whoever it was that hurt you and get on with ministry in your life. Because the only way that you will be prosperous and you will be blessed is when you give because it's more blessed to give than to receive. A lack of compassion. Let someone else do it. It's not my job. It's not my business. You know, we get so calloused in New York. I was so blessed. We went to uh, Florida just uh, last week on a general council, and Pastor Pete, who I love so much, and he, he's the campus pastor at the Farmingdale campus, and he sat down next to this young man, and he said, hi, how are you? My name is Pete. You know, we were just kind of sitting down. Hey, how are you? My name is Pete. It was Monday. I was exhausted. He was exhausted. And so the guy said, my name is Kaleeb. Oh, hi, Kaleeb. How are you? Kaleeb, uh, do you know? This is Pastor B. Kaleeb, do you know Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah, I, I heard of him. I'm a Muslim. By the time we got on the plane, Pastor Pete led this man to Jesus Christ. Glory to God. And he's been on the phone with this man ministering to this Muslim about Jesus. Come on, somebody. That is so exciting, man. We were able to gather around Khalib, and it was Pastor Pete. He started the conversation. He finished the conversation. I just jumped in in the middle, gave some information about Islam and, and Christianity, blah, 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 blah. And Pastor Pete just went back into there, and he led this guy to the Lord. I mean, that's incredible, man. Compassion that just comes out of us. Top-down control or fear of losing control. And we don't release people into ministry because we're afraid they're going to do it better than us. Here, let me give you a news flash. The people that I surround myself with in ministry, they're always better than me. They're always smarter than me. And they always make me look good. And no control, no authority. Just, just going crazy. Doing our own thing. That messes things up when we're not in sync, when we're not all going in the same direction, when we don't know who the leader is, when we're not willing to submit to the leader, when we're not willing to lovingly work together as the body of Christ, messes things up. So, so, so let me just quickly give you several reasons why I believe that you need to have permission to do ministry. Number one, God calls every person into ministry, not just professional pastors. You ready? Here's my job description. Here it is. You ready? You said, this is what we pay you for, Pastor Steve. This is what you do. You do all the work and we sit and listen. No, 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 no. Ephesians, come on. Open your Bibles. You ready? Open the Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. 
Verse 11. It was the big boss, God himself, who gave, listen to me, he, he's the only boss of his business, of his kingdom. God, not Pastor Steve, not other pastors. He's in charge. He is Lord. Okay? Notice what it says. And it was he, who? It was God who gave some to be apostles. What are apostles? Missionaries. Some to be prophets. Some to be evangelists. Some to be pastors and teachers. For what? The King James says, listen to me, the King James says, for the perfecting of the saints. The perfecting. I like that in the King James. The perfecting. And you know what the word perfecting in the Greek is? Thoroughly trained. Completely equipped. Restored for the purpose of being useful. Why? Look what he says. God gave pastors for the perfecting of the saints. God gave pastors so that he would equip God's people, listen to me, for the work of ministry. That's it. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the Greek word for ministry, listen to me, is diakonos. Everybody say that with me, diakonos. Two words, ministry and servant, diakonos. Okay? And servant, doulos. Servant, everybody say doulas, right? Diaconus, servant, ministry. Paul the apostle said, I am a servant. I am a minister of the gospel. You see, that word minister only means servant. That's what it means. It means servant. So he tells his disciples, hey, if you want to be like me, they start arguing with one another. Who's going to be the greatest? What does Jesus do? He pulls out a towel and he starts to spit shine their shoes. You want to be a servant? Do what I do. Wash people's shoes. Be a servant. Wash people's feet. Well, these are pretty cool socks, aren't they? Huh? Check, those, check those bad boys out. He said, be a servant. He said, that's what it means to be a minister, because that's the word. Oh, I'm, I'm a minister. Reverend so-and-so. Kiss my ring. No, God says, you as minister, kiss their feet. Just so you know what my job description is, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to love you enough to tell you that you have permission to go do the work of the kingdom. I'm here to equip you. This is how you do it. This is how you pray for people. This is how you learn the word. This is how you minister the word. You can do it. That's my job. It's to help you to know that, that you can do it. The word in the Greek for servant is diaconus, which means an, an attendant, a waiter, someone who serves. That's, that's what I do. I serve you. The Greek word for servant means to be a, a bond servant, one who comes to God and said, I'm willing, God. You see, you can't. You can't be a servant unless you're willing to do it. I'm willing, God. I don't know how, God. I don't know how to do it all, but I'm just willing to do it, God. I'm just, use me, God. You say, what can I do? Where can I serve? How can I help? Where's my place in ministry? Pastor Steve, where's my place in ministry? I want to know where's my place in ministry. I want to serve because God told me that I need to serve. And Pastor Steve needs to say, okay, let's train you. Let's get you into the life development process. Let's show you your shape. Let's show you an, a, an opportunity for ministry in the House of Hope and the EGD, ESL. That's my job. My job is just to keep on. That's why every Sunday morning I get up and I go, there's ministry opportunity here, 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 here. Because that's my job. My job is to say, hey, guys, listen, you can get involved on September the 8th to serve people at Hope Day. So I create, because God gives me the vision, I create events and I create ministries so that you can get put, placed in those ministries so that you can be fulfilled in the kingdom of God, doing the very work of God in your life. Now, some of you, you may need to sit a little while. Why? Because you're rebellious. Some of you might need to sit a little bit because you know what? You're going a little off. And Pastor Steve, as the good coach, needs to say, sit down. Take it easy. Chill out. 
You need to learn how to respect. You need to learn how to honor. You need to learn how to listen when somebody tells you what to do. Oh, but that's, that's holding me. That's restricting me. No, that's loving you. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Come on, somebody. I can't tell you how many times I've had to sit down with people and say, you know what? I'm telling you, you're, you're going the wrong way. And what's their first response? I'm leaving. I'm going to find another pastor who will let me do whatever I want in the church. Go ahead. Go mess up his church. You're not messing up my church. Uh-uh. I'm telling you, you're not messing it. It's not my church. It's our church. But I love it. I've been willing to give my life for it. Did it for 20 years. And I'm not going to let some rebellious person who thinks they're full of themselves come in here and try to dictate what goes on in this place. I'm going to pull people alongside of me who have a humble servant's heart who love the Lord with all their heart, love each other. And I see that love just flowing out of their life. And I'm like, come on, let's do this. You can do this, man. Because I can see they got a right spirit, a good spirit. Every believer, number two, receives spiritual enablement from God to do the work of ministry. Come on, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm going to finish sometime. 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are, listen to me, there are, listen, 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in. Listen to me, here's the key thought he works look look what it says he works all of them in what and read it with me there are different kinds of works workings but the same god works all of them in what in what turn to your neighbor right now and say that means you i mean are you a, are you a human being turn to your neighbor right now i want you to take i want you to take your hand right now and put it on the, your your neighbor's wrist right here right here would you put on your neighbor's wrist right there? There you go. There you go. And feel the pulse. Are they alive? Are they breathing? Then welcome to the human race. You are part of the all of them. Well, not me. I can't do it. No, you are part of all of them. And if you are a believer and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, then according to Romans, uh, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12, God has given you spiritual gifts. Go home and study it. I don't have the time right now. Maybe I'll unpackage that for you, but go home and study it. It says to some, he's given the, the gift of prophecy. To others, he's given the gift of, of tongues and interpretation. To some, he's given the gift of, of healing. And then you jump over to Romans chapter 12. It says, well, some of you, you say, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I really don't operate in the gift of healing, and I don't operate in the gift of tongues. What can I do? Well, in Romans chapter 12, it says, and some have been given the administrative gift to be administrators. And some have been given the gift of serving others, cooking food, pasta fazua, roast campoya, and all the oxtail you can eat. God bless you. That's a spiritual gift. Man, I like when people get those spiritual gifts and they say, Pastor Steve, here's your gift. <laughs> so there's practical gifts, supernatural gifts, so that everyone can get involved in the ministry in the church. Just Romans 12, 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to one another. That's the key. You don't come here in here like a lone ranger and think you could do whatever you want. You belong to me, and I belong to you, and we work together. We're connected together, and when we work in sync with one another, we are a great, great harmonized orchestra for the kingdom of God. He said, look, at, I, I love it says here, though, in verse 5, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it. Let him use that gift in proportion to his life. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him... You know what? Some people just have the gift of encouragement. I, you know what? I want to be honest with you. That's one of my gifts. I love to encourage people. But you might say, well, you know, I don't speak in tongues. I kind of, I don't know about that. You know what? You know, and, I, and I'm really not good at prophesying. But, you know, I can stand out in the foyer and find somebody that I can encourage. How you doing today, man? You doing all right? Everything okay? How you doing? Doing good? Doing great? You're a blessing. You come from Team Challenge, and God is doing such great work in your life, and you got such a hunger for God, and God's going to use you today. You know what, man? He can take that home and live off of that for a month. Glory to God. And I meant it with all my heart. Shake my hand. You could do that. You know, the Bible says that, that a man can live off of a compliment. 
for a long time. Encourage one another in the Lord. Hallelujah. Simple. Man, we've made this so difficult. But if you just read the Bible and learn that everyone has a place in the kingdom of God to do something, and God gives you practical gifts to be able to bless other people. And here's the, here's the great thing. When you bless other people, you feel so good. Hey, brother, I felt so good telling you that. That made me feel so good. I gave encouragement out, right? Look what it says, and it says, and, and, and if it's contributing to the needs of others, how many of you, you love to just give to people? You, you see somebody in need, and you just want to give to that person. That's a spiritual gift. Some people are, are amazing at that. Uh, my friend Henry, my friend Henry, man, let me tell you something. He will take the shirt off his back and give it to somebody. I mean, he will see somebody and pull out money and just give it to them with no strings attached. Bam, take care of that need. And I'm thinking to myself, that dude is awesome. Because you know what? Here's the truth. The truth is when somebody needs a sandwich, I can go over and pray for them in the name of Jesus, fill their stomach. Hallelujah. I speak in tongues over. Oh, be filled. Or I can go to the delicatessen, get a sandwich and say, here, eat some food now. Come on, somebody. Hello. So the key thought is everybody receives spiritual gifts. God determines what every person gets for the, the common good. And there are supernatural gifts, and there are practical gifts, and all of them are from the Holy Spirit. And all the gifts together make up a church that is healthy and strong. And the pastors, they don't have all the gifts. And the pastors, they can't do it all because if they try to do it all, they'll burn out and the church will be dysfunctional. But when we all feel released to do the work of ministry and we do it together, God begins to be glorified. People begin to get touched by the power of God, and the church grows exponentially. So this morning, as the worship team comes, I simply want to do this one thing at the end of my sermon. I want to say to you, as your pastor, I give you permission to discover and determine and develop and deploy your gifts and your talents for the glory of God. I give you permission to do the work of the kingdom. I give you the keys of this church, and I say anyone can let themselves in. Anyone can do the work of ministry because we all need permission because I can't do it all by myself. You know, there's a story in the Bible that, that I'm going to close with, and that's the story of, of Pastor Moses. Anybody know who Pastor Moses was? Pastor Moses is leading the people of Israel into the promised land, and there's a million-plus people in the, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the tribes of Israel. And the Bible says that Moses, listen to me, Moses, Exodus chapter 18, he sits down every day behind the desk and there are lines of people that are waiting to see Pastor Moses. And he's there early in the morning. You read it, Exodus 18. He's there early in the morning and all day long they're coming to Pastor Moses. And I don't care how much pasta fazul he can eat. I don't care how much energy he could get. He is tired by the end of the day and people are still standing online and they're grumbling and they're complaining because Pastor Moses couldn't take care of their needs and he's getting burnt out. And his father, who's not even a believer, not even a Hebrew, his father-in-law father Jethro comes and sees this, this act of futility. He sees Moses burnt out. The people are grumbling and complaining because they're not getting their needs met. And notice, notice what he says. He says to Moses, listen, he says, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them. Listen to me. Your job, Moses, listen, he gave him three jobs. First, 
You're to teach the people how to do right and wrong. That's my job. Teach the people. Teach the word. Preach the word on Sunday morning. Preach to them. Teach them what is right and what is wrong. He says, then you're to find men that are loyal and faithful men who are godly people who love the Lord with all their heart. He says, then you are to select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. Listen, he wasn't just laying his hands on anybody. And appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. There you go. There's small group ministry right there. Small group ministry. Thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. He said, and you're to appoint these men over them. Have them serve as judge. But have them bring the difficult ones to you. He says, so focus your attention, Moses. Focus on what you're supposed to do. You can't do it all. Because if you do it all, you'll burn out. But be very focused. Pour your life into leaders so that they can pour their lives into leaders. So that they can pour their lives into the people. So that they can raise up leaders so that one day they can pour their lives into the leaders. And those people pour their lives into the people. Notice he said, if you do this as God commands you, you will be able to stand the strain. And all these people, listen to me, and all these people will go home satisfied. There it is. He said, they won't complain. He said, because the system, the structure is in place in the church whereby you released people to take care of themselves, to minister one amongst each other so that you're not burnt out. See, that's the problem today. The people think the pastor does it all. Listen, pastor, you didn't visit so-and-so and you didn't do this and you didn't do that. You didn't, and I'm really upset with you. I can't believe you didn't do that. People complain, pastor burnt out. People not happy, pastor's not happy. Nobody's happy. Why? Because it's a dysfunctional system. Why? Because pastor's expected to do everything. Pastor tries to do everything. Pastor gets burnt out. People are not happy. He leaves the church, go to another church, try it again. Church dies. So Moses would be able to stand the strain when people were released. And finally, Jesus himself gave us the greatest permission granting statement when he said this. He said, all authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, teaching them to do what I told you to do, baptize them in water, and lo, I am with you always. Jesus, he gives permission. All authority has been now you, now you, now, 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 all authority has been given to you, now you go. All authority has been given to you, now you go. All authority has been given to you, you go. All authority has been given to you, you go. All authority has been given to you, you go. Come on, come on, you go, you go, you go. All authority has been given to you, young lady. Come on, come on, give this young lady a big hand. You know why? Because she does ministry. You go, you go. Don't stay in your seat. Don't, oh, I know somebody like, please don't do it, Pastor Steve. Please don't do it. You go, you go, man, because this guy, he wants to go. I can see it. You go, you go. Don't stay in your seat. You go, you go, you go, go. All authority has been given to you, mama. Come on, Jamaican mama, go. Go. Don't stay in your seat. Go, 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 go. I want to invite you to stand right now with these folks right here. I want you to stand up right now, everybody. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Listen to me. Look at me as we finish. Shh, stay focused. Man, I got a way of making everybody totally unfocused. I know. Because I'm ADD all the way. But stay focused. Listen to me. I would, I would have failed today in my sermon. If somehow you would have said to me, that was a great sermon, Pastor Steve. And I didn't give you the next step in the process of going. See, because I want to tell you, the Lord has really put on my heart that everybody in the church, listen to me, look at me, everybody in the church would go through this book called Radical. This book has been so helpful to me. So I bought a copy for every one of you. Are you going to pay for it? 
But in faith, I bought it knowing you're going to pay for it. But this book is a revolutionary book. And, and this book helps us to understand that we have embraced in America a gospel that is failing. Failing. A gospel that is incorrect. And a gospel that gets people sitting in the pews waiting for somebody else to do it because they don't understand that they've been released by God to do the work of ministry. So I'm going to give you permission today. I want you to have permission today. But here's the way we're going to do this. September 29th, you say, that's a little bit away. But we see, we got to get ready. We got to start. We got to start. God's preparing us. September 29th, I'm going to unleash on this church eight weeks, eight weeks of studying this book. And so the Lord gave me, actually the Lord gave me and my daughter, my daughter Janine, who's a missionary, gave me the ability to write a, a, a study guide to go along with this book. And the reason why we wrote it is because I want you to understand some things that the Holy Spirit gave me so that you can be released into ministry, released to do God's work. And so here's what I'm asking. I'm asking every person in this room, everybody in this room, I'm giving you permission. Just lower it a little bit. Lower it. No, 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 no. Thank you. So nice. A little lower. Hello. I'm telling everybody in this place that you can get a hold of three people, three to ten people, that's it, three to ten people, and you can challenge them to read this book. Just read the book, okay? Your family, friends, neighbors, co-workers. This is what the Lord showed me. This is what the Lord showed me. He showed me that at Starbucks, at work, at home, this is what the Lord said to me, at Starbucks, at school, at college, at home. I saw when I closed my eyes, fathers with their families, co-workers gathering together, people in the church going to work earlier in the morning, an hour earlier in the morning. At night, people hanging out at Dunkin' Donuts, reading the book during the week together, and then just doing nothing but, nothing but doing one thing, just answering the questions. That's it. No one has to be a teacher. No one has to be a scholar. No one has to even be like a facilitator. You're going to be like a facilitator, but all you need to do is you got to be a gatherer. That's all. All I'm asking you to do is gather three to ten people and say, we're going to read the book and then we're going to answer the questions together. That's it. And at the end, there's going to be a concluding thought and a challenge to you to take what you've learned and practice it in your life. How many of you in this room you believe you're capable of doing that. Let me see your hands. 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 If you don't raise your hands, um, then I failed. Because I just spent an hour telling you that you can. Amen? So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want, you to I want to challenge you right now to take this format right here. Come on. Go ahead. Go in your bulletin right now. You guys can go back to your seats if you want. You were a good illustration for me. Thank you very much. Get this out right here. Come on. Quickly. See this? Now, if we need more, we'll get you some more. There's some more in the back. Okay, but I want you to take this out. Okay? Rudy, go tell Leah we need more of these. I want you to take this out. Because we're going to do this thing, man. I'm telling you. See, you're going to get some folks. You're going to get three to five people. You're going to get three to five people. You're going to get three to five. You're going to get three to five. You're going to get three to five. You know what? You can have as many as ten. Or you can have as little as three. It's just a group of people. That's it. And all you need to commit to is you're going to read the book. And then once a week, for one hour, you're going to get together. And you're going to say, okay, well, question one says, you know, Jesus said, when you go out, don't take anything with you. What did that mean? Well, I think it meant this, and I think it meant that. And you're going to go through the small group material. And then at the end, you're just going to go and do what the small group material said to do. Just, just be a follower of Christ. Everybody can do that. So right now, I want you to take this out. I want you to fill it out. Take, take a moment to fill it out right now. Come on. Get out a pen. Get out a crayon, mascara, anything you got. And I want you to fill it out right now. See, because I'm going to take these. 
after you fill it out today, I'm going to take this. Okay, if you need a pen, somebody will get you a pen. If you just raise your hand. And, and here's, what we're, here's what we're doing. We're committing for eight weeks. That's it. That's it. I'm not asking you to be a small group leader for the rest of your life. I'm asking you for eight weeks. Can you get together with three to five people? Now, here's what I'm asking, though. I'm asking that you will be a convener. You will be the one going out to get them. So it could be that you're with your husband doing it. Or it could be that you say, you know what? I'm going to do a group at work with my buddies. And, and then my wife and I are going to do a group at whatever. It, you got, God's got to speak to you about how you can be a convener. That you can get together. Now, some of you, your dads, and you think, you know, I, I never do this with my kids. What an incredible opportunity. I'm giving you the work to sit down with your kids and say, you know what? We're going to do this for eight weeks. We're going to do this together. And we're going to allow God to speak to us about being radical in our life. All right? So keep filling these out right now. And when you're done filling them out, I want you to encourage me today. The, the, best, the best encouragement for your pastor, for me, just, just the way I'm wired, is that, that, I, that I saw that I hit the mark and you responded. If, if I see that, I go home and said, did, did my work. Hallelujah. So could you encourage me today and fill this out? Take a moment. We're going to sing a worship song. And then when you're done, Bring these forms right up to me. Just bring them to me. And I want to I pray over these forms today that God blesses this incredible journey that we're going to go on to be radical. Thank you, my brother. Just when you're done, just bring it right over to me. Thank you. Thank you. Just, just come on right up. and say, I'm with you, Pastor Steve. I'm with you all the way, man. All the way. All the way. We're going to do this, man. We're going to do this. God bless you. God bless you. Let's sing a song, man. Yes. Yes. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Who? Stronger than the power of the our lives oh God that we would recognize Lord that there's something deeper there's something greater there's something much more that you have for us oh God and that we have just scratched the surface oh God when it comes to understanding your will for our lives so I release today by the power of the Holy Spirit I release these people God to do the work of ministry in Jesus name I pray and everybody said 
Before you leave, hug somebody and say, I'm glad that you came today. Be released.